This week on Rotten or Righteous, we asked the question, is this about cornflakes? Rotten and Righteous, I am your host, Zach Geiler, and with me, as always, are two people that are so dear to me, I call them venison, Scott Judge and Luke Taylor. <laughs> That's horrible. That is horrible. So dear to me, I call them venison. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, this week, we watched the 2000 film adaptation of the Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. But before we dive into this review, we here at Rotten or Righteous like to set a portion of time at the top of our show to discuss an important news story that's affecting millions across the globe in a segment we call Supremely Thoughtful and Useful Personal Information Delivery, or STU, PID for short. This story, I'm not going to lie, most of the time, I just kind of scroll through it and find the one that I think would work the most or the most entertaining. This story actually made me laugh, like, like actually bust out laughing when I read it. And it comes to us from Australia, from the Australian Oi. Metro newspaper, and was written by a woman named Jen Mills. And the headline reads, <laughs> Hold up. Jen <laughs> Mills? Jen? Is this about... Jen. Is this about is this about cornflakes, General Mills? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, I didn't connect that. Yeah, up. me neither. <laughs> That's funny, but I, I didn't see that one coming, Scott. I'll be honest. <laughs> nope, Jen J E N. Jen Mills writes the headline is ex-boyfriend takes bizarre revenge asking people to pretend to be Chewbacca. <laughs> Revenge okay. on what? Are you are you interested yet? I'm definitely interested. Here's the Anytime story. Anytime Chewbacca's in a story, I'm interested. People respond to breakups, Scott, in different ways. Some block their former beloved on every medium, while others try to get back in touch with flowers and apologies. Then, there's the less typical approach. Like a man in Australia who put up posters around town, asking people to call his ex and pretend to be Chewbacca. Brilliant. He claimed that the person who called and gave the best impression would win $100 as an incentive to get people phoning up and shouting, (laughs) (laughs) This guy's a genius. (laughs) That that is amazing. she have... So, Does she have, like, some phobia of Chewbacca? No, but can you imagine how annoying it would be if you got, like, 50 calls of people? Because <laughs> if you look at the poster, it says, Just call and do your best Chewbacca. If you win, we'll call you back using the number and, you know, caller ID and stuff. So it wasn't like, Hi, my name's Jeff, and I'm here to enter the Chewbacca contest. It was just people calling poor, poor, this poor woman up and going, <laughs> And hanging up. <laughs> <laughs> So he created, like, marketing material for this? He just wrote himself up a little poster and started putting it around town. Jessica, 29, 
from Carnes said, I'm getting phone calls at really strange hours of the night, about 1 o'clock to about 4 o'clock, and I thought it was quite funny, actually. I thought it was a good joke, she told Nine News. And I'm, I'm happy that she has a sense of humor, because this, this is the best practical joke I have ever heard in my entire life. Now, I can't wait to try it. I just need to find the person that deserves it. Uh, now, before you blame it on her, she ended the relationship when she claimed to have found her ex messaging other women on Facebook. Despite being able to see the funny side, she said some of the phone calls had come in the middle of the night, which woke up her children. I thought when we first met, he was mature. But it just goes to show that <laughs> having a job doesn't mean you're mature, she told the Carnes Post. It hurt my feelings, she said. Uh... She said that, as well as carrying out the Chewbacca prank, her ex dumped a car with no wheels in her driveway, so she couldn't get rid of it. <laughs> bravo, bravo. Hey, how, how old is this guy? I don't know, but he's my new hero. Shame on her for thinking, mature man. Those things don't even mix. You broke up with a genius. I'm just saying. And now, <laughs> with a creative genius... The police got in contact with me, and finally they're going to do something about it, she added. If people want to continue phoning with their impressions of a Wookiee, Jessica says she's ready for it. She added, just pull the posters down, please, and yeah, have a laugh for me. And if you want to make a phone call, go for it. I don't mind. Bring it on. They didn't get this guy's side of the story. You notice that? Like, he probably has a good reason for doing what he's doing. And the lady's like, oh, I broke up with him because he was messaging other women. I, women. I, I don't care if he really was messaging other women. He's a genius. They're not, there's nothing that this woman can say really short of abuse that's going to get me to go, well, this is a bad guy. Are you kidding me? The dude made up a fake contest to have strangers call his, his ex-girlfriend and make Chewbacca noises. That is fantastic. <laughs> And nobody wins. How clever is that? But it's the most harmless prank in the whole world. I know. It's just annoying. That's the best kind of prank. It doesn't really do anything. And kind of with the car. You know, when I first read this, I was like, okay, that's going a little too far. But, but the car's not hurting anything. It just can't be moved because it doesn't have any wheels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, this is going right. to be the only good thing out of this show. Well, let's get into the There's review. so much good to come. The good news is, Scott, it wasn't a long movie. Unlike, I know. True. This one is only yeah. an hour and 17 minutes long. It's a very short film. <clears throat> uh, and it starts out, we're in a school, and kids run into a squadatorium, and there's so many teachers there. Why are the teachers so angry? None of the teachers seem nice in this. Hey, how about how about the lady that gets up in front of him, and she, like, claps twice, and the whole auditorium goes silent? <laughs> oh, she claps more than twice. She was terrified. Three times? I oh. stood up. I know, I did too. She clapped like, her hands four cow. times. I was like, oh, no, that's stand-up noise. Me and all the kids there, and they're, they're weird uniforms. This is a private school. It's a prep school. They're all wearing ties. They don't have time for this nonsense. They're, see, they're only I interested in education. I didn't know if it was a prep school or if this was like a juvenile detention, like a very strange one, <laughs> because that would explain why the teachers are so mean, because they're also prison guards. I had a lot of mean teachers. Right. So now we understand we are in a prison, a juvenile detention center, a, a mixed a mixed gender juvenile detention. They do things different over in England. This is where this was filmed. There's an angry lady, gets up, claps her hands, um, and she makes all the kids stand up. And she sits down at the piano as the most important teachers file in. And they're being led by Santa Claus himself. 
<laughs> they are. Richard Attenborough, Santa Claus, a.k.a. Uh, John Hammond from Jurassic Park. Which makes me wonder, because this movie clearly takes place in 2000, Jurassic Park came out in 91. Did John Hammond go into teaching after his failure at the park? He probably did. He had to go I back mean, that's to... probably... Or... Go back to school. He was the only one that was wearing, like, a robe. Is this a special play that's celebrating Santa's graduation? Because <laughs> you didn't know this, Scott, but Santa does not have his diploma. Really? Yeah, he's working on his GED, but he doesn't have his diploma. But maybe he does now. Maybe this was his graduation ceremony. It was his graduation. That was a little production for him. They all looked angry as well, every single one of those teachers. It was like they were going into a business meeting where the CEO is about to tell them that the company is closing and they need to start looking for new jobs. Well, they did look angry until, like, the most inappropriate teacher in the whole world walks in, Miss Tube Top McGee. How in the... <laughs> what's the, what's <laughs> up with that? I, I, I mean, I, I literally wrote she's wearing a tube top with a blazer. It's kind of inappropriate for the setting that she's in. <laughs> like, you got you got... Richard Attenborough up there in his scholastic robe. Everyone looks like they've hated children for the past 47 years. And then in walks this girl with like a, with a tube top and a towel wrapped around her waist. What wasn't wrong with this woman, though? You know, I... So many... I, she was clearly disturbed. But I will say, as she walked down the aisle, she is carrying a Bible, and she drops it. And I don't know if that's symbolism for the rest of the show... Like, you know, well, you really dropped the Bible on this one. Maybe that's maybe that's a new saying for the show. This one dropped the Bible. But, uh... <laughs> that's, I like that, actually. She not only drops it, she kicks it, too. Well, yeah. By accident, I Listen, think. Listen, I think there's a lot of things in that book uh, that she didn't like. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit as we go on. But she does eventually pick up her Bible and walks to the podium, which, again, I don't understand. You have Richard Attenborough, acclaimed actor. Why is he not the one that's going to get up and, and talk. What is going on with this hippy-dippy little tube-top-wearing towel wrapped around her waist girl getting up? And not only that, but she gets up, and, and then she starts to sing. And nobody, nobody seems concerned or confused by this in the slightest. Yeah, she just gets up there, and everybody's quiet down. You think it's going to be a serious serious thing, and then she's like, Hello, how are you? Welcome to the auditorium. And everybody's like, yeah, this is how we do things. England must be a weird place. Um, <laughs> but this, but the, the song that she sings is a song about the importance of dreams. And throughout this song, the narrator, which is this woman, uh, encourages the kids to follow their dreams as she sets up the story of Joseph. And then she gets to this lyric, and this is the first time I had to, to kind of pause and go, what? She says, uh... We all dream a lot, some are lucky, some are not. But if you think it, want it, dream it, then it's real. You are what you feel. But all that I say can be told another way. In the story of a boy whose dream came true, and it could be you. 
Why? Because <laughs> 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 I mean, she's setting up the story of David <laughs> or Joseph. Excuse me, set up the story of Joseph. And she's going, "Hey, Joseph had a dream, and if you dream hard enough, you can be Joseph." That's right. No, no, I can't. I'm, I'm about I'm about four thousand years separated from being Joseph. Uh, it's, it's not about your aspirations, ma'am. <laughs> it's not like want to become a, a the pre- music in this president or a football a lot player. Of music in this what this movie like just doesn't connect. Like like that you know, there's the story, and if you are familiar with the story, then a lot of the music that is sung throughout the movie is like it just doesn't make any sense. No, like it's very loosely connected with the storyline, but I mean. Just bad. So after she gets done singing the song, well, while she sings the song, can we just be, talk just for a minute? Because she she goes down into the audience of these kids. Oh, she, she oh. rubs the head of a little boy a little bit too long. Yeah, she she's very touchy feely with everyone that she comes across to this movie. I'm not even for sure that that happened in 2000, let alone 2020. No, it happened. There's video proof of it. Where we watched well, it. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying that everything she touches, whether it's a little boy or a chair or one of the brothers or anything, she's like, if I'm going to touch this thing, I'm really going to touch it. I'm going to get my money's worth. (laughs) I'm going to go right up to that line of inappropriateness every time. Every time. I'm pretty sure she crosses it mostly every time. Then after she's done fondling that young child's head, uh, she goes back to the back of the auditorium, and there's a whole bunch of f- fog. Now, this is where I came up with my new theory about this movie. I think that everyone in that room died in a horrible school fire, and they're actually in torment watching this. I, I could go with that. I wouldn't argue with you. <laughs> I truly believe that the school is on fire. There's a bunch of fire billowing in the door as Joseph comes in. I, I think the school's on fire. I think we're, we're dealing with a, a room full of dead educators and children. For the remainder of this show. I know it's how I felt on this end. But when she's done singing, these kids freak out. It's like they just watched Justin Bieber or, or somebody popular, <laughs> I don't know anymore, get up there and, and start singing. I mean, they were they were cheering at the top of their lungs. Standing up, up on the, down, the benches. Clapping. It was weird. One kid threw the, the rubber bands from her braces onto the stage. It was awkward. <laughs> Next, the narrator introduces us to Jacob and his sons, and I really hated this song because it was. Wait, wait, wait! We didn't we didn't talk about uh, Joseph's entrance. Yeah, we through the fog. True, Joseph walked in, and he he also is kind of kind of creepy with the children. Not only that, but there's some horrible green screen in that scene. And uh, in addition, like the very last scene of that where he stares deep into your eyes as the camera fades out. Is that where that he's holding the hand of the, the poor child? Where he's like... That, like well, he, that's that's part of he it. He does yeah, like yeah. a double hand hold. I would hate to sit in the front row at this school because that means an adult is going to come up and touch me. <laughs> touch you. <laughs> I'm not saying inappropriately. I mean, there's nothing implied like that, but it is awkward, especially with how careful it's, we have to be in 2020 now. <laughs> When it comes to anybody, it makes me feel uncomfortable when I saw her lingering on that child's head or when Joseph comes up and does a double handhold on that poor little child. Just <laughs> <laughs> what kind of school system are we running here? <laughs> I, think, 
I wish that they would make up their mind. Is this a play being put on for the kids, or the kids part of a play? Because they know the songs, they know the harmonies, they become this chorus, but at the same time, after the end of every song, they stop and clap. Listen, I've done theater. I love theater. I was a big theater nerd back in high school. There's never been a time where we got through a scene, and then we all ran out to the audience, the whole cast just started applauding for ourselves. It's weird. With your permission, can we move on to the, the song titled Jacob and Sons? Oh, yes, yes. Well, like I was saying, there's something about the rhythm of this song that I just did not like. Because it was like rhyming word, then a whole stanza that didn't rhyme, and then they go back to a stanza that has the rhyming word again. And it just was not, it just didn't flow right. And I, ugh, it was, ugh. Way, way back many centuries ago, not long after the Bible began, Jacob lived in the land of Canaan, a fine example of a family man. But there was one lyric that uh, has haunted me ever since I heard it, and might have been, it might be the grossest thing I've ever heard, period. Jacob was the founder of a whole new nation, thanks to the number of children he had. He was also known as Israel, but most of the time, his sons and his wives used to call him Dad. Ew. Yeah, why? Why Ew. did his wives call him dad? According he, to this musical. I, I didn't catch that. Well, oh, yeah. I feel, like, I feel like they just needed a filler word and they're like crud or a word short. Well, add his wives in there too. Jacob turns into like a, a, a skeezy little old dude in this movie. <laughs> yes, he does. I mean, part of me is like, <laughs> like, all right, Richard Attenborough, I see you. Your wife's dead and they're just throwing you a bone with these pretty girls. I get it. But on the other uh -huh. side of the story, I'm like, uh-huh, that's gross. Stop. I don't want to imagine Jacob's wives being like, hey there, daddy. Have you seen Joseph? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> gross. Stop it. The, what, what, all the sexual undertones of this movie just add to my confusion because they're like, and it just leaves you with this impression like, what is this? Who is this movie for? It's like, it's because if you, you got, want the real well, answer to that off. question, the I'll real answer off. to that question, who is this movie for? Keep in mind, I said it last week, it was targeted at children, which is why it takes place in a school. It's horrible. <laughs> so after meeting the 12 sons and establishing that Joseph was Jacob's favorite, we move on to a third song called Joseph's Coat. And I think it's at this point that um, the lyricist stopped trying to make sense. <laughs> he just gave up. <laughs> because... It's this lyric right here. Being told we're also rats does not make us Joseph Mads. <laughs> we, need, we need to understand. Uh, listen here, I need a word that rhymes with fans. What about rans? Perfect. I'll just put it at the end of also, add a hyphen. Now we've got a new word, also rans. Worked for Shakespeare. He invented the word eyeball. Well, you're not Shakespeare. Also rans isn't going to pick up. When the coach brought out, Scott said something before we started recording that, that <laughs> made a lot of sense. The, the, the whole idea is that the brothers are mad because this coat is so beautiful and colorful. But Scott, what is it that you said about the brothers' clothing? I said every brother had on colorful clothing. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> every, every single one of them. Every and some of them more colorful than others. <laughs> But none of them were lacking colorful clothing, so it doesn't no. really make sense that they would hate Joseph uh, for this coat. And that no, and his I, was I'll brighter. be honest with you, my eyes have never gotten bigger watching a movie than when they uh, 
We're talking about the coat, and then they spread it out like a giant peacock. Each one of them takes a corner, and it turns into this giant circle. It reminded me of those parachutes we had in gym class, where you'd shake them. <laughs> yep. Like a... And then, as they were, like, going round and round, every single one of the brothers would look directly into the camera and stick their tongue out like they were puking. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> they hated the coat. I don't understand why, why that's so difficult for you to understand. Oh. And, but there's so a, much... another scene where all the women, all the wives of Jacob, I assume those women are Jacob's wives, but I'm still questioning that, and I will question that as we continue here. Uh, but they all come into the scene with a different type of um, tool attached to their hat. One woman had a coffee grinder on her head. Another <laughs> one had a sewing machine. There was a watering pot. Uh, there was some yarn. And there was a clothes press. And as they walked onto the scene, they were all using these these machines. Which, you know, that's not a good way to, to do things. Like I said during the, the Oh Brother Where Art Thou one, those sirens didn't know how to wash clothes. Well, these women don't know how to do anything. If you're grinding your coffee on the top of your head, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Clearly they only had one job in Jacob's house. That's why he had to have so many wives. Mm-hmm. I need a coffee grinding wife. Zach, have you never taken your pants and your hot iron and pressed them on your forehead? No. Oh, we can let's play a little bit of a game right here. Gentlemen, I want you to tell me what colors you believe the coat of many colors was in the song, and I'll tell you which ones you miss. Oh, holy cow. It was blue. Uh, olive. Okay, olive was one. Beige. So you guys got Yellow. Red. Yellow. What'd you say, Luke? Beige. I think that was one. I'm trying to find it, though. They literally just went down a crayon box and made it into a song. Uh, like a 64-count yeah. crayon box. <laughs> I should pull mine out real quick and rattle through them. Was fuchsia one of them? I don't think so. It was red and yellow and green and brown and scarlet and black and ochre and peach and ruby and olive and violet and fall and lilac and gold and chocolate and mauve and cream and crimson and silver and rose and azure and lemon and rusted and gray and purple and white and pink and orange and blue i think that's all of them (laughs) you win but did I not say last week that you're never going to hear another color in your life? I promise you this is going to happen to you because it's happened to me every day of my life ever since I saw this movie as a kid. So I'm be like, hey, can you pass me that red plate? And in the back of my mind, in my subconscious, where I try to keep everything locked up, I'll just hear red and yellow and green. And I'm like, no, stop. You get out of my head. You get out of my head, you terrible song. I didn't know you watched this as a kid. That probably explains a lot that I didn't know about you. And so... <laughs> After we're introduced to the coat. so, afterwards. <laughs> oh, th- but sorry, this Dad. is when, when taught with, Scott was call- or talking, when they're singing this song about all these c- colors, all of the kids, again, this is terrible for a play, all the kids get up out of their seats and just run on stage. And as they do, they cross this magical barrier that turns them from wearing black and white school uniforms to just wearing horrifyingly bad outfits of i think i saw like a red t-shirt with a green tie and he had a blue baseball cap on and i'm just how much does it cost to go to this private school that they have magical color (laughs) clothes color changing technology when you run up on stage i know it's the fourth step they take you into the third dimension what (laughs) 
Think about that the next time you step on the fourth step, Zach. You may want to miss that one and go from the third to the fifth. You never know. <laughs> All right. I don't know what. Uh... <laughs> anyway. Then we have Joseph singing about his dreams. I dreamed I saw 11 stars, the sun, the moon, and sky. Bowing down before my star, it made me wonder why. Could it be that I was born for higher things than you? A post in someone's government, a ministry or two. All I'm thinking during this is, one, uh, the stars and the wheat dancers are nightmare fuel. That's going <laughs> to pop into my subconscious at some point and haunt me in my dreams. Because as he's singing, you have these women in full body suits with, like, a giant star paste to their stomach dancing around. They have no faces. Just nothing but pure terror. That is terrifying. It, it's just, it's, it's brutal. It is brutal. But uh, the second thing that popped in my head is Joseph's kind of a jerk. I've heard people say that Joseph might have been kind of like a jerk when he was young. And maybe he told his brothers these dreams, but he didn't really tell them. He wasn't the most humble about it, and that's part of the reason they hated him. That's just assumption. Well, but. I, well, I mean, I, I don't doubt it, but at this point in the movie, I'm wanting to toss him in a well. I'm very, on, very arrogant. I'm on the the brother's side, uh, and I was on the brother's side for about four seconds until um, the brothers lost my support when they sang. That Joseph dreams are a load of corn. <laughs> What's wrong with that? <clears throat> Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of euphemisms. Love them. That's not a good one. <laughs> and, and, and while Joseph is reading a book uh, called About Dreams uh-huh. during this. Oh, and the fog returns during this. So the fire is getting even bigger <laughs> in my fantasy uh-huh. I'm making up about the school burning down. It's now Fires reached onto hell. the stage. These people are in danger. They need to get out of there. But uh, as they're singing about how much they don't like Joseph, the brothers are getting real handsy with the narrator. Yeah. And the narrator's kind of into it. She's definitely into it. I, I think that the narrator is the worst part of this movie. I feel like this movie could potentially have been salvaged in some way if they would kick the narrator out or just have her be a voiceover because you can't get into any of the scenes because she's never in character. They don't have any rules with the narrator. Some people can see her and interact with her. Other people can't see her. And it's, it's just, there's no rules. And it makes it very confusing. It, everyone else is in character. And here's this woman, like, s- dancing around with a martini and sunglasses. And it's like, mm-hmm. get off the stage. <laughs> I mean, it just ruins it. So the brothers decide that they're going to they're gonna sell Joseph to a group of traveling Ishmaelites. Um, so they toss him in a well, and um, well, in the well, Donny Osmond picks up, uh, who plays Joseph, in case we didn't say that. Donny Osmond plays Joseph. He picks up a snake puppet. <laughs> yes, oh. And I could, you can clearly tell that it's Donny Osmond's hand in that snake puppet. <laughs> but then these creepy puppet Ishmaelites and creepy puppet camel comes onto the stage. And it's all just very... It's horrible! It's like Uncanny Valley. It's like the camel almost looks like a camel should look. But there's something off about it that just <laughs> makes it terrifying. 
I was glad they did. You know, they didn't take themselves too seriously, which was good right. because you know they didn't like act like this was a good movie. Well, they probably thought it was good, but they didn't uh, like the snake. I like. I I didn't mind the snake. Yeah, it did some humor, and that was the only redeeming quality of this movie was like a few funny parts. Hey, but, Luke, have you ever been bitten by your own hand puppet snake? Uh, probably. Yeah. I asked the question: What is the narrator's relationship with all of the brothers? Secondary question. Does she realize that she's performing in front of children? I don't know, and no. (laughs) (laughs) So they decide to sell Joseph to Ishmaelites, and then they kill a goat. (laughs) And what is a surprising and horrifying visual, because you have this fake goat that's obviously fake, but then they just rip the legs off, and so much blood comes out. And I was just not expecting that. I was not expecting the gory goat scene. <laughs> it's at this point where the narrator sings the same, like, five words over and over again. And this happens throughout the movie. And every time it doesn't, it, it just is bad. But she goes, uh, poor, poor Joseph. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do when the Ishmaelites come, come for you? you? Sorry. I get it. Stop. Stop doing that. Stop it. Stop it, narrator. Bad brothers, bad brothers. What you gonna do? But as she is uh, singing the song, the brothers are like pretending to act innocent. And one brother has the goat legs that they just ripped off the goat crossed across his <laughs> chest. And the other brother has the goat carcass and he's just petting it. <laughs> I laughed at that. I was like, alright, that's pretty funny. Brothers take Joseph's coat, which they stole and dipped in goat's blood, back to Jacob, and they they sing a song about how Joseph died. And I I will say that this lyric of this song that they sang got me chuckling. It was pretty good. When I think of his last great battle, a lump comes to my throat. It takes a man who knows no fear to wrestle with a goat. Stain code is tribute to his final sacrifice. His body may be past its peak, but his soul's in paradise. And, and, and can, can we? It's a country western song. Yeah. Why? Why did they go country western <laughs> cowboy? In this, in this just sham, just horrible, just, oh. I think I actually hated the movie at this point. <laughs> I, you, didn't, you didn't enjoy the narrator? <laughs> you didn't enjoy the narrator at the beginning going... <laughs> doing her fake oh. harmonica thing? <laughs> No, I mean, I reached my lowest level of disgust when they were doing, I, I, the old cowboy western guy, which was one last place at our table. I, one last you know, I thought this was the best song in the entire 
Uh, I did too, movie. actually. <laughs> I just I didn't understand why they went western. But so, after, well, why did they sing a French song and a Jamaican song? I mean, they're exactly. Just, they're just hitting Elvis. every genre of music they can. <laughs> why? 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 So, so this I liked is, it. It's like so I've seen this done in theater before, and it happens quite often where like you'll adapt a story and you'll put it in another like era and and take all the themes from that era and like push it into the story usually when i've seen it it's only been like you'll take a whole play and you'll drop it into like a 50s uh beach scene like beach boys or something like that or you'll drop it into you know a modern scene and you know you'll reenact it and so it's like you pull all these different cultures in but i've never seen it that um like every scene is from a different era and I mean, I didn't. Yeah, they were like, I didn't hate it from like a theater perspective, but from like a I, just accomplishing. I enjoyed the, the like, variety. Yeah, getting across the message of the story, though, like it contributed nothing to that, and I thought it actually just confused the whole thing in general. Did Did you not really think that? Because I know it was very long and weird. Because at one point, Jacob takes the coat, uh, which is. There's nothing wrong with the coat. They're like, it's dripping with blood. No. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with it. The the coat is fine. And he takes it away, and then they all stop and start celebrating. It was little moments like that that if I was, you know, watching the show and I'm as a kid, and I'm trying to figure out how did Joseph's brothers feel after they betrayed him, this scene would actually help me because they are genuinely jubilant that this pain in their their neck is finally out of here yeah i think that, that being i said, think that makes sense there's one more angel in heaven there's one more star in the sky father the things that he stood for Black. democracy never I laughed at that part. That was funny. I wasn't expecting yeah. that one. Or when they're singing the song to his dad, and then the, the one brother goes, So long, little Joe. Adios, buckaroo. Ten four, good buddy. That, that, that got me. That, that, I was like, okay. <laughs> and then the one brother singing, Oh, darn it. <laughs> and then into the song. If he had down, we all would now be <laughs> Clearly, oh, Zach really just, enjoyed this scene. Oh, I know. I, it, there's parts of it that cracked me up. So, after the very long western dance scene which i thought figured scott would like of all the people and all the scenes in this movie i figured that you would have been like all right pilgrim <laughs> just i i they started i'm like what is going on here how did this happen i was dumbified meanwhile joseph is taken to potiphar's house you guys remember how potiphar made his money Pyramids. Stock in the pyramids. Yeah, he bought stock in the pyramids, which were built close to a thousand years before Joseph got there. But 
Um, <laughs> but you talk. This is the the part where the narrator really started to get on my nerves because of the way that they're singing this song. All right, you got a picture. We got to paint a picture of Potiphar's house. All right, it's all in black and white. It's kind of like he's being followed around by Poindexter's. Like they got round, big glasses. Mm-hmm. They're all got the weird, slick down, greasy haired part. They look like your stereotypical accountants, Poindexters, those types. And she sings the song in like a squeaky grating voice. Like imagine if your oh, cheese easily. grater, like if your cheese grater somehow gained sentience and started to <laughs> sing to you. This is the voice I expect uh, to come out. Consequently worked much harder Even with devotion Potiphar could see that Joseph was a cut above The average major leader of his house Of maximum promotion I just want to say real quick That is the greatest illustration That we've had on Rotten or Righteous <laughs> Let's just say for a second That your cheese grater gained sentience <laughs> That is great I will say there's a line that the narrator gives Though because she she was She's like uh, he's, she's telling the story about Potiphar and his wife because she, she, you don't believe me? Well, it's all written down in Genesis 39. Potiphar was cool and so fine. But my wife would never tell the lie. It's all there in chapter 39 of Genesis. <laughs> Little things like that I, I actually started liking. I'm like, okay, yeah. I, I see what you're doing. Um, But then... Good night, gentlemen. <laughs> Good night. Luke, describe Potiphar's uh, wife's outfit, because I can't. Uh, it looks like um, Janet Jackson's outfit after the event at the Super Bowl had occurred. That's exactly what it looks like. That's probably where she got this idea from. It didn't strike me until just now. There was a wardrobe malfunction. This is a kid's movie. This cannot be yeah. a kid's movie. It's... It is marketed towards children. Yes, it is. See, and and then the outfits, and then the only problem oh. that the English had when this was given a okay for anybody to see was that Joseph refused to drink an alcoholic beverage. I think that that's the least of this movie's problems when it comes to ratings. Oh. But then again, oh. at the same time, I'm thinking about: Do I think that she was? You're talking about Potiphar's wife, one of the most famous seductresses in the Bible, right? How, yeah. how, I mean, how is she supposed to dress? What do you expect for Potiphar's wife? I mean, if you're going for like a hyper-realistic retelling of the body, or, or of the Bible, which is, this is not that, and I heard my Freudian slip, shut up, uh, <laughs> a, hyper, <laughs> a hyper-realistic telling of the Bible, and I'm not saying that this is it, and you picture Potiphar's wife, do you picture her fully clothed, or do you picture her scantily clad, surrounded by other scantily clad servants? This is how you picture Potiphar's wife? I can't say I've ever pictured no. Potiphar's wife this way. I, I, I No, never, I don't picture that, her I don't picture her like what the movie did. I don't picture her like in a sheer corset. Interesting. But at the same time, you know, I don't picture her like a in a hijab. I imagine her as a plain old housewife. Potiphar's off, you know, buying stock, sitting around in Egypt with his buddies. She's deprived, so she has to seduce Joseph. But she does but this in know, the... This is like her... Uh, she looks like she does this for a living in the movie. Is this... Uh, um, but even with uh, all of the, the weird 
revealing, but still, they don't reveal anything, but it is revealing. Suggestive yeah. clothing. How is it that Joseph is still the least dressed? <laughs> well, they undress him. I understand that. She had her hands all over him. I'm like, what? And then he goes, Joseph's looks and handsome figure had attracted her attention. Every morning she would beckon. Come and lie with me, love. Joseph wanted to resist her till one day she proved too eager. Joseph cried in vain. Please stop, I don't believe in free love. I'm not into free love. <laughs> I bet people in the I bet people in the 60s when this was written loved that line. Oh yeah, I'm sure they did. But there is a but Joseph doesn't I don't like this part because Joseph doesn't run away. Well, to be fair, he doesn't really have the option. There's 37 people kind of pinning him. So Potiphar goes in, catches Joseph in the middle of this uh grope fest, and he throws him in jail. Talk about terrible CGI. That, that long fall. For some reason, Potiphar has a well in his house that leads just straight to jail. It's like 50 stories deep. Everyone needs one yeah, of those and, in their uh, house. And he just falls at the CGI in the background. Oh, my. It looks like they drew... A, like It looks like my son, two-year-old, tried to draw a brick wall. And then they just repeated it over and over again, flashing up. That was bad. And then he lands in uh, jail, which was designed, apparently, by Potiphar. Because they have the same black and white motif continuing on. But then uh, a chorus of women start singing, and the actual name of these women that are singing is the creepiest thing in the entire script because they're called the Chorus of Weeping Maidens. Then Captain Obvious from the Trivago commercials come out and says, Things aren't going well! (laughs) Yeah, he's locked up in a cell. And it's not any old cell. It is a birdcage cell. Yeah, he, he had to kick Tweety Bird out in order to, to get in that. Uh... <laughs> oh, and it was during this sad jail song that he's about to sing that I had the uh, poignant observation. Donny Osmond has a giant forehead. <laughs> <laughs> there, oh. there, are, there are close-ups of Donny Osmond where he is shown from, from chin at the bottom of the the frame, they can't get the top of his head because he's got t- three times the forehead. Do you know what I noticed? I noticed when he got to the bird man cage that he could just turn sideways and walk through there. And I'm thinking, why don't you just escape, Joseph? What I thought is, as he is singing this song, the song's called Close Every Door, and he, he sings this lyric. If my life were important, I would ask, will I live or die? But I know the answers lie far from this world. Close every door to me. Keep those I love from me. Children of Israel are never alone For I know I shall find my own peace of mind For I have been promised a land of my own So, um, he has faith that he's going to get a land and God's there for him, but he also doesn't have faith because he wants to be locked up with a not. What is going on with his belief system at this point in time? This is a, uh, he's in a deep depression. 
it's the emotional turmoil, the back and forth of the struggle of faith. You think? You think yeah, that they were yeah. uh, getting that deep into that right before yeah. the big go-go scene? Yeah. I don't know what to think. <laughs> well, with this, with this musical. But as he's singing this sad song, about 50 kids come walking in with candles. And I wrote, is this how the fire started? Hey, we didn't start the fire. <laughs> well, the building is clearly on fire. We've already established that. And they're all dead. And this is, this is torment. But is this how the fire started with the candles? Hey, you know, before they did that, though, the narrator came in with the big candle, and wasn't she like, you don't need to worry because your story's already been written or something? Right. She keeps referencing that she read the Bible. Like, first yeah. of all, no one dresses like that who's really read the Bible. Second of all, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> I hate when movies do this. I hate it. Where they're like, oh, by the way, you're going to be fine because look, it's written right here. Can you imagine the existential crisis that you would have if someone came up to you and said, here's your entire story. You can read it from beginning to end. You would lose your mind. Yeah. It wasn't a nice thing that Tube Top Tammy has done. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, she comes in and tells him, don't worry about it. But, she, but this is another rule of the narrator that I'm talking about. He doesn't notice the narrator when she drink, brings the candle in. But he notices the candle. So, in Joseph's mind, at this point, is there just a floating candle that's coming to him? Tell him, don't worry. Well, I have this entire magical story written about you. I have no idea. But he does notice then, her in other scenes. And then, I know. And then about 50 colorful kids come in. They're all having candles. And Joseph seems completely fine with this. Can you imagine being in jail? And, and just all of a sudden, 50 kids surround your, your jail cell with candles and start singing at you? Again, I would lose my mind. I'd be like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> okay, and then this is going to make Scott feel old, but I really, really, really like this. This conversation happened with me and my wife during this part. She goes, who is that guy in the cage? I said, that's Donny Osmond. And then she said, like Ozzy Osmond? <laughs> <laughs> now, it, I, asked her if I, that's, I asked her if I could tell this story. That's Ozzy's son, I think. And then she goes, and, I, and then I said, no, like Donnie and Marie. And she goes, oh, like Weight Watchers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I turned 50 on the 18th. Yeah, but that made me feel old because they at least knew who the Osmonds were. <laughs> I am with her that I thought that it was somehow related to, to uh, Ozzy. Ozzy? Because yeah, those are the only Osmonds that I know. It's Osborne. Ozzy Osborne. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, see, I don't know. <laughs> So during uh, Joseph's pity party, again, a bunch of creepy prisoners just start just start whispering really loudly at him. He's just sitting there feeling bad for himself, and then all of a sudden a prisoner comes up to the bar and goes, Hey, dreamer, don't be so upset. Hey, Joseph, you're not beaten yet. Hey, Joseph. I, stop. Keith, I told you, stop whispering at me. It's creepy. Just let me wallow yeah, in myself. How did, pity. how did all these prisoners get out of their man birdcage cells? They, I don't know. All of them read the Bible, though, because all of them are like, hey, yeah. hey, Joseph, you should read Genesis 50. Yeah, you'll never forget that. Did you fact check that, though? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And then uh, Baker and a butler show up, and the narrator inter introduces the baker and the butler, and the baker gives her a cupcake, and the butler gives her a martini, which, you know, that's, that's nice. 
Hold it. Was this was the song? Was it here? The song was sang that referred to the butler as the Jeeves of his time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now into Joseph's prison cell were flung two very frightened men. We don't think that we will ever see the light of day again. Hey, Joseph, help us if you can. We've had dreams that we don't understand. Both men were servants of Pharaoh the king. Both in the doghouse for doing their thing. One was a baker, a cook in his prime. One was a butler, the jeeves of his time. (laughs) (laughs) She decides the best place to sing her line is... In between the butler's yes, legs. Yes, that was... Underneath <laughs> yes! the skirt. What was up with that? There's like no she purpose. Has to pull, he, she has to pull his toga out of her face in order to sing. That's how high up in this man's area she is. <laughs> Why? Uh, so anyways, the butler goes into the cell with Joseph by just sliding through the bars. He's pretty slender and, guy. Uh, and he says... Uh, there I was standing in front of a vine. I picked some grapes and I crushed them to wine. I gave them to Pharaoh, who drank from my cup. I tried to interpret, but I had to give up. Well, Joseph goes, guess what? Good news, bro. You're going to be free. And then the baker tries to squeeze through the bars, but he can't. So they just open the cage. They just they just open Why? open the door Why? of the cage. I don't know. It was funny to me. That was like I was like <laughs> it was yeah, it was it was hilarious. But I was like <laughs> that guy's fat. He can't fit through the bars. And I looked down at myself and I said I wouldn't be able to fit through the bars either. They'd have to open the cage for me. <laughs> Why wasn't the man birdcage locked? Well, Joseph had earned the trust of the the prison guard by now, probably. Is so he what, had the keys. Is that what you know, it was? Yeah, yeah. The baker looks like if the Pillsbury Doughboy became a real boy. <laughs> The baker goes, um... There I was standing with baskets of bread. High in the sky I saw birds overhead. Who flew to my baskets and ate every slice. Give me the message, like is would be nice. And Joseph's like, nah, bro. <laughs> nah. Nah. You're uh, a dead man. You, you, you're probably gonna die, bro. And he's like, but just, no, you, you know, I could be wrong. But I've never been wrong before. And then the entire jail, after uh, the narrator goes... Uh, go, go, Joseph, you know what they say. Hang on now, Joseph, you'll make it one day. Go, 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 Joseph, you're doing fine. You're in your dream coat ahead of your time. Before we move on, Why? what is a dream coat? <laughs> it gives him power to interpret it, dreams. Because there's no mention that, of God in this whole movie, that he gets his ability from God. It's just like... Oh, he, I, I fervently disagree but go ahead because there's a big mention of god coming up here in about five seconds maybe i missed it all right go ahead because after she sings that the whole jail turns into a 60s go-go dancing joint yeah again what was up with that i mean but yeah everybody was uh everybody's dancing joseph loved it he loved the dancing he's he was digging it and for some reason the camera decided to zoom on a man's pleather clad crotch (laughs) um A, a split second and oh man that's uh that's something but as they're dancing a man comes in in a long white robe and long white hair and john Lennon sunglasses and he puts a, a lay on joseph like a hawaiian lay and joseph is like looking at the narrator because he can see her now because logic and then 
he's like pointing at at the guy like hey do you see who it is is that guy supposed to be god i i don't know who is it is this i had no clue is it supposed i to, couldn't figure it out i thought it was supposed to be god who do you think it was i have no idea i couldn't tell i think it's supposed to be god that would be huh. i didn't horrible. Get, i didn't get that again me, just like i just throwing junk into the movie and then for it's stupid I mean, yeah, this is too the whole lay thing. I didn't understand the lay thing. Why the lay? Why the lay? Why? Why so many things in the '60s, Scott? Why so I, many I, things? I, I did also write that uh, Donny Osmond has now been without a shirt more than he has had a shirt on in a show about yep. his coat. In <laughs> he lost his coat though. That's why he's he's unclad. But then the the narrator sings a solo and she sings it with a chair, <laughs> <laughs> like she's at the Republican uh, National Convention, and. Uh, she a high chair, by the way. I wrote down Not a kid's high chair. No, but... it was just a it was like a bar stool with a back. Yeah, and I wrote down she really likes that chair, and yeah. then I underlined really about fourteen times. I mean, you thought she Did was she like, you thought she, she get... was getting handsy with the kids and with the brothers. She got handsy with the chair. She was getting into that chair. She she was into it. She's just angsty um, and ridiculous i mean aggressive like the whole movie it's like tube top tammy <laughs> and she starts to sing a, a song about pharaoh and having dreams that uh, he can't understand but this is joseph's chance to be a star and at this point in the movie a lot of the teachers uh are starting to like it they're not angry anymore they're kind of bobbing their head they're like you know what i like that chair too <laughs> see what she sees in that chair <laughs> but not the gym teacher Gym teacher does oh, hey. not like this. <laughs> can we just say? Can we just say real quick? In classic gym teacher fashion, <laughs> he come into the auditorium twirling his whistle. <laughs> that was great. So uh, Joseph is uh, brought before Pharaoh and Scott. Tell us about Pharaoh because you, you can't shut up about him for like the past three days. So so tell us about Pharaoh. I looked at Pharaoh and I thought, why? What's up with the sideburns? What do you mean? I, I think it, it was at, what, 3.30 the other morning when I text you to say, what is up with Elvis Pharaoh? <laughs> that is horrible. I loved it. Hor- this Did you really? I had no problem oh. with it. Let me tell you something. I paused the movie, or paused the musical right here, and, and I got my notebook out and started contemplating what am I doing with my life. What was your conclusion? One. At that point in time, I decided I was doing nothing with my life and heading nowhere. <laughs> well, I was wandering down the banks of the Nile, and I saw seven flat cows. <laughs> Again... I just don't understand the different genres of music. I was scary in my oh, oh, yeah. I think at this point I was like, I was just so used to it. I was like, okay, Elvis Pharaoh, I can roll with that. You know, we've been everywhere else in the world, so. <laughs> I was like, this is the first part of this movie that makes sense. The king, you know, Elvis is the king. He's the king. He's a yes, king. Elvis. Okay, that, that makes more sense than a lot of things in this movie. Uh, did you notice when they brought Joseph to him that he was kind of kind of pulling back a little bit like he didn't want to go up and see? Mm-hmm. Did you notice that everyone in that scene was wearing blue suede tennis shoes? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because it's funny. That was funny, Scott. Admit it. (laughs) And so uh, uh, David asks what his dream was. And he goes... Fat 
skinny and vile. Oh. And then the females ate the fat cows, which I thought would do good. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. But it didn't make them fat like I thought a monster summer should. Oh, no. Because the females were as thin as they had ever, ever, ever been. Oh, this dream has got me baffling, Joseph. What does it mean? Now you know that kings ain't stupid. Don't you be through yourself Help me now, beg of you I was standing doing nothing in a field out of town When I was seven beautiful ears of corn Ah, oh yeah Oh, they were right, they were golden But you guessed it right behind them There were seven other ears that were tattered and torn Ah, then the bad corn ain't the good corn man They came up from behind, yes they did But Joseph, here's a punchline It's really gonna blow your mind Flip your lid Because the bad corn was as bad as he had ever, 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 ever been Well, this dream has got me all shook up Treat me nice, tell me what it means and Joseph goes, well, I got the part about the cows, but the part about the corn is confusing me. Can you sing it all again? <laughs> and he does. He makes him sing the song, exact words, a second time. And uh, let's, let's, by the way, picture the scene here. There's a bunch of fat guys without shirts on <laughs> with the, the, the Egyptian god Anubis heads over their own. And every time, oh yeah, and, this and is every time they, Elvis goes, whoa, they put their hands up in the air and do spirit fingers. It's creepy. That's how cults get started. That's right, and this is where the, this is where the folks came in with the lampshades on their head. Why? And this entire time, the narrator is totally into it. She she digs Pharaoh. Do you see the part where the narrator and Joseph were dancing? And it's like he gives up and throws his hands at her like, ah, you got this. <laughs> Did you see the part where she brings him the Bible and they start looking through it and they're like in like yeah. like in the minor prophets trying to figure out what they're talking about? Oh. <laughs> they use the Bible as a cheat sheet here trying to figure it out. And they're way past Genesis. But then Joseph finally understands that it's about seven years of bumper crops and they need to save because there's going to be seven years of famine. And so... Um, Pharaoh then sings a song called Stone the Crows. Pharaoh said, Well, Stone the Crows, this Joseph is a clever kid. What in the. I'm going to start using that too. You really dropped the Bible on that one and Stone the Crows. <laughs> you know what? Anytime any of us get mad, we should look just as disgusted as we can be and, like, kick the floor of the dirt and go, well, stone the crows, and just walk away. <laughs> and it's at this point in the, the movie that I also wrote the note, please, please get Donny Osmond a shirt. Please. Yes, please. Please. Because the Pharaoh uh, gives him a, a pardon, and he gets uh, a chariot of gold, a cloak, a medal, and some signet rings. And Joseph is, becomes Pharaoh number two. And so they get him you know, some outfits and uh, uh, bracelets, a nice necklace thing. And at this point, I was like, sweet, he's going to get a shirt. I know he's going to get a shirt here. No, no. No. They give him a big old collar, but no shirt. Uh, one of the parting gifts. It's too hot. And, and then there was shirts. A, 
there was another line that I thought was pretty pretty good. It was a pretty good fact that they just kind of tossed in there, kind of like the Genesis 39. They implement Joseph's dreams and Joseph rations, and it says Egypt didn't mind a bit. The first recorded rationing in history was a hit. I was like, all right, I see you. I see you, Joseph, in the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. You're teaching me things that I already knew, but I see you. And then a bunch of girls come and molest Joseph. <laughs> yep. And then as he's getting all felt up by these girls, Pharaoh goes, hey! and then just sits up real fast. <laughs> and, then, and then the one the one blue lady passes out. Then another blue lady passes out. <laughs> Did you notice that during the scene, the narrator looked genuinely jealous when the girls are all over Joseph? Yeah. Oh, two top Tammy's a player. Mm-hmm. And then the narrator does give Scott a glimmer of hope here because after, um, oh, the adoring girls say uh, that Joseph's the greatest man since Noah. And it only goes to Shoah. I liked that too. I was like, all right, that's good. Anyone from anywhere can make it if they get a lucky break. <laughs> because anyone from anywhere can make it if he gets a lucky break. That's what I like to call God's providence. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and lucky work. Break. It's a lucky break. And then the narrator sings, This could be the happy ending. And Scott's like, Finally, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. Could be a happy ending, perfect place to stop the show. Joseph, after all, has got about as far as he can go. But I'm sure that Jacob and his other sons have crossed your mind. No, they certainly haven't. My mind was completely (laughs) full. There was no room for my mind to be crossing anything during this movie. (laughs) How had famine hit the family, Joseph? Hold on a second. Joseph didn't leave his family behind either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that implies yeah. that he has some choice in the matter. <laughs> That's... And then we go to like a Fiddler on the Roof-esque French slash Jewish song. <laughs> hey, and I got to be honest with you. The the family's not doing that bad. I mean, if they can afford filtered Pall Malls, they're doing okay. <laughs> For that, I wrote, they're smoking in the school. Is this why the school burnt down? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> I think it was Levi at first, and he's just man. He's just tearing that tearing that palm all up. I think actually he was smoking a camel. Was it a camel? No. I may have been. I wanted to say camel. I, I feel thought, like ah. it should be a camel. Back in Canaan, Joseph's brothers are singing a song with French accents and camels hanging out of their mouths. Do you remember? The good years in Canaan. The summers were endlessly gold. May we? The fields were a patchwork of clover. The winters were never too cold. We strolled down the boulevard together. A promenade simply divine. Now the fields are dead and bare. No schwat of eve anywhere. In Montalon, we drink a bitter wine. Those Canaan days we used to know. Where have they gone? Where have they gone? 
again, this is just, it is just brutal. And the most puzzling thing of the entire musical is about to come up. Yeah, they sing about how life's not going very well and how they miss Joseph. And then the Apache dancer comes out. That's who that is. <laughs> Can someone explain this to me? It's a type of dance. What? No, I mean, why Why insert Apache dancer here? No idea. To have Jacob leave with a hooker. I think it was one of his wives. This must be in the Apocrypha. Uh, the only thing I can say about this is she looks like a, a trashy nun. Okay. She's like wearing okay. fishnets, but she's definitely wearing a hat which, around her face. Which, which, by the way, I, well, I guess we're going to talk about her dancing. How, she, was, she was dancing, if that was one of Jacob's wives, would you dance with your son that way? I mean, she was in like a, a full upside down split. Well, that's good Her night. Her fishnet stockings were all torn when we got to the end of this. They were torn Jake, when she Jake put her like, leg out the first time. They're having a bad they? time okay. in Canada. She can't go out and buy new fishnets. It's a poor time. Oh, but you, you can buy camels though. Oh. For some reason, as they danced, the brother flipped her completely upside down. Her her nun habit came tumbling down. Is what in the world is happening? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they cover Benjamin's I, eyes. Like yes, I love that. Every yeah. time, every time her her underpants were shown, one <laughs> of the brothers covers her his eyes. Oh, I don't know if I've asked this question tonight or not, but why? I don't know. All I all I can say is uh, she led uh, she led Jacob out of there. I did enjoy that uh, as the the song came to a close, their sheep came out. Yeah, and they were skeletons. <laughs> collapsed right in front yeah. of them. <laughs> and then the narrator shows up with a chicken leg. I mean, come on. Brothers, for the first time, are looking at something besides the narrator with more lust in their eyes this entire film. They wanted that chicken leg more than they have ever wanted the narrator. They should have just killed her and cooked her. I would have been well, so appreciative. Why? She's so skinny, you're not going to get any mood <laughs> off of her. I mean, just to get her off the stage, that'd been better. <laughs> what has happened to the show? Um, I can't believe we just heard Luke go. I don't understand why they just didn't kill her and eat her. You know, this isn't our. What? You know what? This isn't our first cannibal reference either. What was it a few weeks ago? Oh yeah, during the Oh Brother Where Art Thou one, you kept asking me if I would eat a horse. Then you asked me if I would oh, yeah. eat a gopher. And then when Babyface Nelson came on there, he's like, Zach, I got a question about Babyface Nelson. Yes, Scott, I would eat Babyface Nelson. So. <laughs> I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do in a famine. I mean, you know, that's. I mean, we, who among us can say honestly that they haven't eaten a person? It happens. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Every once in a while. Oh man! So the narrator uh, convinces the brothers to go to Egypt. Or they don't convince the brothers. Convince themselves because they've got corn, they've got meat, they've got fruit and drinks. And, and if we, we have, have the time, time we, we could see the Sphinx. So that was a good line. I like that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, and so they finally go off to G- or to, to Egypt, and uh, they go to Joseph, and then the song that's titled "Grovel Grovel" comes on because his brothers are bowing down in front of him, asking for food. But Joseph's like, "Oh, it's my dream coming true with the fields and everybody bowing down and whatnot." And uh, they ask him for food, and Joseph's kind of like giving him the third degree, like, "Why should I help you?" Huh? And the brothers, their their logic is impeccable, really, because and the brothers say, Bravo, 
I'll be real honest with you though, Scott. If like you were in a legitimate debate with somebody, let's say you were debating baptism for salvation, and like during their next turn to speak, they just turn to you and go grovel, grovel, cringe, bow, stoop, fall, worship, worship, beg, kneel, sponge crawl, and then sit back down. I truly believe they would win because I don't know how to come back to that. I do. I'd be like, well, I would go. You're an idiot. <laughs> And so uh, Joseph pulls the lever on the old corn slot machine that all Egyptians had. Again, <laughs> <laughs> <Get> why? Why? <laughs> and uh, they hit triple wheat oh. on this slot machine, and out comes out <laughs> the biggest ears of corn you'd ever want to see. I mean, these things are massive. And then they all sit down and fake ate them. They didn't even grow corn there. <laughs> I know. Just oh, listen. Why they had a budget of twenty three dollars? All right, they went to the Hobby Lobby. They found these ears of corn for sale for ten cents a piece. You're not going to argue with that. Boom! They spent the whole budget building a giant corn slot machine. What? What? What do you want from them? <laughs> that the narrator is really getting into the brothers groveling. Rawr, grovel. So Joseph gives them food. Hands them not more than food. Sack loads of food, but it's really a bucket. Um. <laughs> yeah. Being true to the biblical account, they put it in a bucket. <laughs> a gold bucket, too, wasn't it? And then unseen, Joseph nipped out the around the back and planted a cup in young Benjamin's sack. When the brothers were ready to go, Joseph turned to them all with a terrible stare and said, No. No, no. No, no. You robbers, your little numbers up. One of you has stolen my precious golden cup. No, I was just going to say, I really like how they incorporate all the kids into what's coming up here in the next scene. Yeah, no, I, when I was watching it, I was like, this just turned into one of Joseph's kids' shows real quick. Because you'll be watching one of those kids' shows, they'll be like, is this a butterfly? And they're holding up like a, a, a meatball. And then, <laughs> no! And then you have 13 seconds to shout no. And that's exactly <laughs> what happened here. Matter of fact, why don't you guys play along with me here? <clears throat> Who's the thief? Who's the thief? No. Come on, Luke. Is it no. Simeon? I'm the slow kid. Let's <laughs> <laughs> try that one more time. Who's the thief? Is it Ruben? No. No. Is it Simeon? No. No. Is it Natalie? No. No. Is it Dan? No. no. I thought it was Dan. No. No. Why are you saying no so slow? This is take forever. Is it Isaac? No. Is it Levi? No. No. <laughs> Who's the man? Is it Zebulun? No. 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 Is it Gad? No. No. Is it Judah? No. No. Could it possibly be Benjamin? <laughs> ding ding ding! <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Benjamin, you nasty youth. Your crime has shocked me to the core. Never in my whole career have I encountered this before. Guards, seize him. Lock him in the cell and throw the key into the Nile as well. Then the brothers ask for mercy. For some reason, Naphtali stands up and starts to sing a straight up calypso song. Tell me if you've heard this before. Why? That's what I wrote. I do not understand. Show him some mercy, oh mighty one, please. He would not do this. He must have been framed. Jail us and beat us. We should be blamed. Aww. Guys. They love their brother. Makes my heart warm. My heart was numb at this point. 
It's just painful. And then Naphtali gets up. And I apologize for this. Oh, no! (laughs) 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 Try that again. Quite absurd. Oh yes, oh yes, it's true, it's true. Benjamin is straighter than the big bamboo. No ifs, no ifs, no buts, no buts. Benjamin is honest as coconuts. Sure as the tide wash the golden sand, Benjamin is an innocent man. Sure as bananas need the sun, we are the guilty criminal ones. Dayo, it's just and now the narrator's just drinking a fruity beverage <laughs> in front of all the kids she, during the song. Drink it, which then I I wrote down is she drunk because that would explain a lot actually. If the whole cast were drunk, that would explain a lot. No, but the way the narrator's acting, she's been drinking since Act One, probably. So yeah. she's probably lit right now, and that's why she's acted the way she's acting. And so uh, Joseph reveals that it is him. The brothers sing annoying repetitions. Joseph, Joseph, is it really true? Joseph, Joseph, is it really true? Joseph, And he's like, yes, it's me. Stop saying my name, you bunch of weirdos. That was my favorite line of the entire musical when he called him a bunch of weirdos. And then uh, J- Jacob finally puts on a shirt. But Joseph. it's... Puts or Joseph, yeah. Joseph finally puts on a shirt. <laughs> I'm picture just Richard Attenborough shirtless walking through the smoke. <laughs> it ain't pretty. <laughs> Joseph puts on a shirt, but unfortunately the shirt just so happens to be uh, a breast a breast piece armor uh, that basically is him without a shirt, just shiny and gold. And uh, he's in a chariot that's being pulled by lions. I mean, the whole the whole the whole stage is just covered in smoke. The school is burning to the ground around these children and Joseph at this point. Well, Jacob sees Joseph in his chariot of gold. And then he, poor Santa, he just succumbs Walks to smoke down. smoke inhalation. That's what happens. He's walking that, through the smoke. He succumbs it? to smoke inhalation, and he falls down. Oh, glad you pieced that Order together. Order the smoke. And then, uh, well, Donnie has a real shirt on finally as they sing the last song. Where, um, you know, I kind of like this last song. I don't, I don't know why, but it, I don't know if it was just excited it was over. <laughs> but the last song I kind of liked. <laughs> It might be the only thing in this entire musical. You know, they accidentally put a, a uh, call in response to this one because during this final song, uh, that one of the last lyrics says, uh, May I return to the beginning? And I shouted audibly, No! 
No, you <laughs> no. may not. Sing it again. <laughs> oh, I, uh, and then the last know. line in the whole thing is. studying the bible for a while but you know i'm not i'm not an expert certainly not an expert but i don't remember the coat being so very important to joseph's story it's the main part of the story it's what it's all about right uh the kids lose their flipping mind (laughs) (laughs) they were the only ones this is the greatest thing the kids have ever seen. They cheered so hard for the school being on fire and this movie finally being over that they turned the camera into slow motion. It was insane. <laughs> the gym teacher at the end, he 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 got into it. He started clapping his hands too. I didn't see that. Good old gym teacher. Was respecting it. But the kids thought this was the most amazing show ever. And that is the end. Okay. Scott. I want to let you both know that I have my rating written down, so I don't want you to accuse me like you did last week of trying to bomb the final count. But I don't Scott, think anyone's going to argue with you this time. Okay. Scott, go ahead and uh, give us your rating. Okay. I went back this afternoon, and I wrote down the 1 through 10 for what each category was. Before I get to what my rating was, I, I want to say there's some scripture issues. The different... The different music uh, genres that are in this absolutely drove me nuts. The clothing, these these women and how they were dressed. Who in the world would I refer this to? Who would I say, hey, this is a good movie. you got to watch it. you got a six-year-old? You want to learn about Joseph? Hey, watch this show. Now, the phone. Potiphar picks up a phone to make a phone call. Jeeves of his time. That is just... I, I took three points off for Jeeves of his time. Tube Top Tammy with her head between the butler's legs? What in the world is going on? Uh, what else What else they got up here? Oh, the lampshades on the head? Why? Why would you put a lampshade on your head? I have no idea if this was traditional back in the Egyptian days or not, but it's not a good look. KFC Chicken? Tube Top Tammy comes out gnawing on a chicken bone. A nice... Delicious leg. This movie is horrible. <laughs> I have something. I have something that is very valuable to me because I don't have a whole lot of it, and that's IQ points. And I am a dumber man for spending an hour and seventeen minutes watching Joseph and the techno color dream coat. It is pathetic. It's a sham. It's a tragedy. It's a mockery. It's a Tread sham ochery. This is pathetic. I would like to give the rating a one, but it is absolutely unwatchable. But I like two better, which is simply no. Okay, Scott, uh, how do you really feel? Oh, brutal. Okay, so we got a two from Scott. I I sat down and started contemplating what am I doing with my life. Okay, Luke, uh, tough act to follow. 
I don't I don't know that I had that strong of feelings about it, but um, so f where I'm coming from is I like musicals generally. I like the theater. I can excuse some of the you know theatrical things that they bring into this, but I cannot figure out who this movie is for. It's it's if they're they were perverts if they had children in mind. If they're trying to reach people who liked the Bible, they failed miserably. They wanted to reach people that had or that liked the theater, they failed miserably. They wanted to tell a story just through a movie. It was a failure because the problem is like they try to well, so the music I thought was not great. I don't know how Andrew Lloyd Webber ever became famous writing this and cats. Um, and then he wrote Phantom of the Opera, which is in my opinion, pretty good. Music wasn't catchy. Usually I, I enjoy some of the songs. Not here. They were bad. Um, and they didn't even sync with the story. Um, let's see. The acting... I mean, the acting was fine for what it was. Just a goofy movie. The narrator was horrible, in my opinion. She ruined everything. And you're trying to get into a scene. You couldn't because the narrator was there. Uh, the story wasn't cohesive, so there wasn't that I thought it was a failure to try to make a movie out of something that was supposed to happen on a stage like do one or the other don't try to do both that was miserable and uh, then there was all the sexy stuff underneath which just weirded me out and then there was the stuff that didn't make sense it's just it, it was a bad movie I can't even defend it I try to find the positives as you know like the mass saint which was pretty decent um, but this was a this was a terrible movie. I did not even. It was a struggle to make it through. I also gave it a two. All right. I watched this movie three times in the last three days. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And I liked it. Where should we send? I liked it more. Where should we send flowers? I liked it more every time I watched it. <laughs> and after watching it, I would stop and read the passages in Genesis that deal with Joseph. And I was genuinely surprised that they hit all of the major story notes without really leaving anything out. If you watch it from beginning to end, you do get the story of Joseph. That being said, I agree with you that there is some sensuality that is unnecessary. But from a musical standpoint, the narrator has an okay voice. She was able to carry it with her voice. Donnie Osmond was a treasure in this, really. Uh, he, he played joseph fantastic and um i i truly enjoyed it i i started finding things to laugh at i uh i mean from a theater perspective it wasn't the worst thing i've seen it was better than the masked saint by far um the anachronistic things like the phone and everything i like that it's funny um every time in the pharaoh song where uh there was a breakdown the fat Anubis guys would go, woo, 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 and that was funny. I enjoyed that. That made me giggle. I honestly gave it a seven and a half. <laughs> See, we just changed roles this week is all it is. Now, I could see. I, I, there were some funny parts. I like the goat. There was some good There was some good humor in, in there. I can see some of that. Now, seven and a half, that seems a little, a little high. I'm, I'm just as surprised as you are because I remember hating this movie as a kid. Now, we do have a two-year-old. He loved the music. He loved the music. He danced around. He thought they were singing to him because his name's Joseph, too. And so maybe that played into it by watching how much joy my son was getting out of hearing his name being sung over and over <laughs> again. 
maybe I'm seeing it through softer lines, I or, or softer eyes. Maybe I just like weird musical theater. Is the it. you know is the sensuality in the outfits and the suggestiveness is it appropriate for a kid who is starting to look at that stuff? I would say no, but at the same time, there you don't really see anything. Uh, there's no nudity. There's no bad language, which is something that's rare in even musical theater. It's rare these days. I mean, it was it was an okay movie. I'd give it a seven and a half. Okay. Rotten or Righteous review of Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat receives a final rating of 3.8. Ooh, nice. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 3.8 rotten. Hey, you have it here. Hey, I want to. I want to say too. I I watched it twice. I didn't watch it three times. I watched it twice. I'm going to go and home and was, watch it again. I'm excited. Are you really? There was there was probably funny parts in there that I missed, but I was so repulsed <laughs> by some of the stuff that I, I I just I was just turned off. I mean, it it happened early. And it got worse and worse and worse for me. It truly did. I'm sorry. But, yeah, 3.8. It's okay. Certified rotten. Well, I would say that the internet agrees with you, but according to, to Rotten Tomatoes, the audience said that uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat scored an 86% approval rating. What? Wow. Yeah. I didn't get our reviews today from Amazon because, well... Amazon had, uh, they were just nothing really funny in it. But I did pull some negative reviews from Rotten Tomatoes that I think you'll enjoy. For example, Kyler E. gave it one out of five stars saying, The only reason I'm not giving this half a star is because it is so stupid that it is funny. True. Poor Donny Osmond, probably the dip of his career. I'm a Christian, but I have to be honest, this film is crazy. <laughs> one hour of my life that i'll never get back you should watch the dreamworks animated film about joseph because the dreamworks one is actually good conrad h gave the film two stars and said someone spent all the money for stage design on some amazing technicolor lsd <laughs> Megan V. said in her three-star review, Satan saw this movie and had nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> Kent G. gave it one and a half stars and said, I wasn't disgusted by it, and I wasn't amused. I was numbed to my core. That's, it. That's about how we felt. Mm. And this is my favorite one. Caleb B. gave it two and a half stars and said, Man, I can't believe his brothers did that to him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you have it. What'd you say it was? 3.8. Certified rotten for Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Is there anything else that you need to say about the show? I'd say that if you you value your time and your life and your service to the Lord, (laughs) do something else other than watch this movie. And yet, here we are giving our time and our lives and our service to the Lord. And not only watching this movie, but spending three hours reviewing this movie. We're going to have to answer to this someday, I'm sure. Every idle word. And it's not going to be pretty. What were you doing there on 
Thursday night. You know what? The way I look at it, honestly, and somebody brought this up to me. Uh, they brought up the podcast. He goes, you know, I don't really like your podcast. And I was like, thanks. Appreciate it. Appreciate you bringing that up to me. Thanks for thanks for letting me know. No, she, <laughs> she said, you know, I don't really like your podcast, but I appreciate it. You're actually showing that Christians have a sense of humor. I was like, okay, I'll take that. <laughs> it's an old lady. Well, it's an old lady, but she's right. That's that's the that's the work we're doing for the Lord here is to show that you can have fun and still be faithful. Are we still faithful after this one? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. There was more references to Scripture in, G, or in Joseph than there was in the Masked Saint. Masked Saint, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. A lot more, actually. Yeah, Masked Saint had a, a grand total of, let me see, zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, well, that's going to be it for us. Please like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Righteous. Follow us on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or SoundCloud. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us a quick five-star review. It really helps us reach a larger audience. If you like the show, tell someone about it. If you have suggestions for a movie or television show you would like for us to review, or if you have any question, comment, or concern... You can reach us at RottnerRighteous at gmail.com. No, Scott, we still have not received email. (laughs) Or on Facebook Messenger. Please visit our website, RottnerRighteous.com, to see what's going on over there. Also, if you haven't noticed already, stay tuned after the the closing music uh, for something, a blooper, something we had to cut out of the main show, but it was still pretty funny and didn't need to be lost forever on the cutting room floor. Thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our show. For Scott Judge, Luke Taylor, I'm Zach Geiler, and this has been Rotten or Righteous. But before we go, Luke, you're not going to believe this. My wife asked me to go and get six cans of Sprite from the grocery store, and I realized when I got home that I picked seven up. Lord willing and the creek don't rise, we'll talk to you all next week. Until then, remember to say your prayers and obey your parents. I'd like to look forward to watching one of these movies for once. Welcome to the show. It's called Rotten Righteous, you know my bro. We watch bad movies, you know that it's true. And then we rate them after the review. This week we watched a film about a guy named Joe, but was watching it more painful than stubbing your toe. And we'll discuss this film because it's pretty much what we do. And when this show is finally done, we will feel like we have won because we made it through this abomination. I know that I could use a long vacation. Because this movie assaults all your senses But will we find that completely defenseless? Or is there some sort of charm underneath? Or is it destined to give you the creep?
Since it is bad and off and crummy and gross and poor and rough and sad and garbage and blah and cheap and cheesy or good and nice and great and bully and choice and false and sound and sterling and super and worthy and spanking and superb and awesome and deluxe and welcome and ace and stupendous or okay.